0: Morgan just prayed my sermon, which actually I'm grateful for, so I promise you I'm not uh, I'm not upset. Um, maybe it'd be good for me sometime to, to do exactly that, not so that we can get out early. Uh, we don't even have a golden corral, so it's not like we have to hurry somewhere like that. By the way, I'm not saying we should even have one, I'm just, anyway, it gets complicated, but... It's, it's good for us to make sure that we not only learn biblical truth, but we pray through it. Um, a, couple things, a couple of housekeeping things I want you to be aware of. So we have a New Look Bulletin for you. Um, the, the purpose of it really is to help you understand uh, how you can connect with uh, different things that are happening here at the church we want you to do that, we want you to be informed, we want you to know what's happening. There's lots of ways in which that can happen. This is, is one of them, it's definitely not the only one. Website and other things, social media, uh, we try to stay in touch with. A Couple of things I wanna draw your attention to though is that for those of you that are in that 20 to 30 age group, there are some uh, new life groups that are gonna be starting and a great opportunity, but that's not just for the 20s and 30s, there really is an ongoing opportunity for you to connect at that gather element with other believers. Um, and if you even look at how the bulletin is arranged, uh, it's arranged in the Go, Gather, Grow format. Um, and why? It's because the one thing we just keep coming back to as a staff is that we're convicted that as followers of Jesus Christ, not just to tell you about but to live in ourselves, is that we need to be involved in going, um, serving our community, evangelizing, sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. There is an other directedness in our, in our living um, towards God and towards others and then kind of lastly towards ourselves. So there is a go element. And then obviously that gathering that we are called to live in biblical community and so we're not called to live isolated selves. Um, we're not a church that's trying to make a better version of you um, kind of as an end in itself. We desire for you to become more like Jesus but this isn't uh, a place where uh, in 2018 um, you can work on yourself yourself in some kind of a self-improvement category. No, it's about glory to God, others enjoying the benefit of that, and then you finding great joy in becoming more like him. So that gathering component and doing life together. And then lastly, the growing piece, which we'll talk a lot about today, which literally comes down to the idea that my understanding of who God is and then growing in obedience to that understanding is really what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. So the bulletin is outlined in those go, gather, and grow elements. I, I love the Sunnybrook stories. Can I? We don't say this a lot, but if you would like to share something that God is doing in your life, we would love to have that information in here um, for the for the. Uh, in church, we say the edifying of the, of the fellowship, but it basically is to build us up. So I'd love to hear what's going on in your life. And uh, so just be aware that kind of in terms of how this fits in. Um, second thing I want to do is I want to just, before I jump into this week's message, is I want to go back and address something that, that I said last week that some people said, can you explain that to me a little bit more? Because um, it can easily be not, not just misunderstood, but misapplied. Is probably my greater concern. So I said this last week, and I still stand by it, that we have relationships that are seriously broken. I'm sure no one's going to argue that. And then I said, um, and they are a reflection of our spiritual condition and commitment. So every one of us is in a broken relationship to some degree, and they are a reflection of our spiritual condition and commitment. Now, one of the things is uh, the Bible teaches that. The Bible actually teaches that there is a direct correlation with what we would call that vertical dimension, our walk with God, our walk with Jesus Christ, the indwelling of the Spirit, and then how we relate to those around us. That we might wanna think those are two separate things, which allows me to go to church and act one way, or go into my prayer closet and act one way, and then come out here and kinda do whatever I want, create mayhem, um, just, by the way, even mayhem's not acting like mayhem this year. So uh, you've got all these opportunities for, for us to act one way, and feel like we're allowed to act that way, because over here, in my In my spiritual walk, I still got it all together i 'm still doing great. Um, you just can 't tell by any uh, attitude in, or any kind of evidence in my life. The Bible says that 's not true. Um, the Bible actually teaches rather like strongly right up front, that if you say you love God and you don 't love your brothers and sisters around you you 're just a liar, is what it calls you. It says you 're a liar. and so we believe that to be true. Now what can happen though? is that someone can hear that. And I had some people ask me this week, can you explain what you meant by that? Because you could read that almost like backward and say, because I'm in this broken relationship and that is a reflection, like, man, then I'm really messed up too. And that's not always the case, to be honest with you. But remember, the word relationship implies at least more than one. Right? It's not just me. It's actually me and, okay, let's pretend for a moment that Andrea did something wrong. Okay, And so here we are. I'm in this relationship, and Andrea has done something wrong. Now, what is a reflection is not that there is something wrong. That is a reflection of Jim and Andrea. Okay. Now, by the way, we're both broken people. Now, how does Jim respond in that? Now, when Jim is a broken person, and I'm acting like a broken person, celebrating brokenness, I can do whatever I want. I can, uh, oh, if you're going to do that, well, then I'm going to do this ungodly, and it can just keep going back and forth and back and forth, and I can become, say, as broken as she is or act as kind of as hostile as she is or whatever, and instead of like redeeming it, I'm, I'm actually trying to sabotage it. I know, I know people are in those circles. I've felt that way sometimes. Fine, you wanna act like that? I'm gonna act like this. That's a reflection of my spiritual condition and commitment, okay? So what I'm not saying is, is that if you're in a brokenness uh, in terms of a relationship, it's all your fault and you're the one that's all messed up. And no, actually, that's the, one of the complicated part about being in relationships is like, like, I can do my part under the guidance and the direction of the Holy Spirit, but I can't do Andrea's part. Andrea has to do her part. And so God forbid Andrea ever does anything wrong, then I have an opportunity to point that out to her. I have a responsibility to point that out to her. I have a responsibility to like pray for her and to help her find the right way to act. And then when she finds it, to offer her forgiveness and celebrate that with her. See, that comes from here. That comes from like my, where I'm at in my condition. That comes from my commitment to follow Jesus Christ, which isn't dependent upon what Andrea does. And that's what I'm talking about because I just think it's so important that we recognize there is something that we can do. And I think it is um, mission critical for us. That we hear what the Bible teaches and we follow what the Bible teaches, which is that there is a correlation between our walk with God and our walk with one another. So that's what I meant to say last week, obviously not well enough. So uh, let's jump into this week's message. Again, it's going to kind of follow a similar format to last week. I want to walk through seven truths about God that we are trusting in in 2018 Um, Next week, we're going to be jumping into 1 Corinthians. We're going to be doing the first 17 verses of chapter 1, which is all of chapter 1. And I'm looking forward to sharing that message with you. But until we get there, um, this week I really thought it would be good for us to to be reminded about truths of the nature or character of God to hold us steady for the next 365 days and hopefully even beyond that. I, I know that it's probably maybe even part of what God has put in us, that we are fascinated with the new. Just fascinated with it, to the point that some of you don't remember this, but on April 23rd, 1985, the great and mighty, powerful Coca-Cola company decided that in many blind taste tests, people were preferring a sweeter cola to them, and they just decided they needed to do something. How many of you remember that great and tragic day? So on April 23rd, there was a a new product that was introduced and it was called what? The new Coke. Um, Within a week, they stopped producing the old Coca-Cola and the backlash was, was immense. Now, who knows that they didn't have this all planned out in the beginning? I don't know, okay? But it's interesting that what Coca-Cola was dealing with was, yeah, I, I get it, like I, I really do, I get that in a blind taste test, the sweeter version, which kind of called Pepsi, might be more interesting and people really did seem to like it. You guys remember those taste test commercials? Actually, some of you are going, 1985, I thought the world was made in 1986, but no, there was a world that lived and, and, and I, I remember when all of this happened, thinking, well, are they, are they getting this or are they not getting this? I mean, I was kind of a Coke guy, but I didn't really care one way or the other, I'll drink whatever you give me and... They went crazy, and they said, we're not doing this. And so Coke, in its, in its humble nature, decided to rebrand itself, and it became what? Coke Classic. Many of you just know it as, has it always been Coke Classic? Well, kind of, but first they got rid of it, and then they had to kind of reinvent it, and then they did it, and they've all been fine. But it's, it's interesting. We want something new, and, and we like and appreciate something old. Really, maybe it kind of depends all on the day. And I really think both of those things are gifts from God. The Bible doesn't say the old is the best and the old is the only and anything new is, should, is skeptical. No, the Bible says things like, God speaking, behold, I'm doing a new thing. I want you to celebrate this new thing that I'm doing. Behold, I'm, I'm, I'm bringing these things before you and I'm giving you these things. I mean, God gave a new covenant talks about new wineskins. So the Bible describes this as a good thing. And yet, simultaneously, it says, let's remember the old paths. Let's remember the ancient ways. And, and both are valuable. Why? Because time is coming at us. There's no way we can stop it. We're already in 2018. So new is here. It's always here. It's always coming. And before you know it, you're going to say, I can't believe I'm actually saying 2019. I can't believe I'm saying 2020. Should the Lord tarry? We're going to constantly be saying that. So no matter what we want or don't want, the truth is new is always around the corner. But there's something about the old mustard, you know what I mean? There's something about the old Coca-Cola. There's something about the old, there's something about um, my son, my youngest son got for Christmas. Are you ready for this? He got a record player for Christmas. I literally am thinking, was someone drinking? What happened here? This is crazy. Who who gets somebody a record player? I was so glad when record players were gone because CDs are going to be here forever. And then I have Apple Music. Do I need anything else, right? But no, record player, let's do this. And my wife bought him an album for Christmas. An album. And a lot of you guys are going, yeah, it's, it's really cool. It's the new thing. Sure it is. <laughs> like, so what do you do when you're at church? Like, I get it. I want something new. What can we do that's new? And, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. But let's not forget the old. And not because we feel sorry for it, but because... In the midst of all the newness that comes this year, what you and I really want kind of, it doesn't matter if it's new or old, Is what we need is like the staying power of things that have lasted, which by the way, God makes new every day. Doesn't he describe that way? Behold, like my mercies are going to be as to you, my mercy, something that is constant and traditional, it is going to be new to you every day. And so I hope these seven things that we talk about this morning literally become strength for you over the new year or a place for you to stop and to look back I caught somebody in the lobby after first service and they said man I really needed this these seven things and I'm gonna I'm gonna try to remember them throughout the year and I laughed and I said and and by the way um, I'll try to remind you of that and I do too like I I didn't come up with these seven things because I thought you needed them I think we need them because it goes back, it kind of looking at God's word, and it, 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 it pulls these things back up. So they're all going to be focused on, like Morgan's prayer, on the character of God, the nature of God, in terms of who he is and what he is all about. So the first point is this. We are going to trust in the truth in 2018 that God is, in fact, unchanging. God is unchanging Now, I don't know if you definitely don't remember this, because it wasn't like invented in Berkeley in the 1960s, but there became a number of years ago, probably in the 1860s, this new idea as science and philosophy and psychology and all of these things, the social sciences were growing at an alarming rate around the world, particularly in Western Europe. There were a development of this idea known as process, or as we say in Canada, process theology, process theology, and it basically said this. I know in the past that you've heard that God is, um, you know, unchanging and he's always the same, but that's kind of boring and that really doesn't offer us a lot of excitement. And so, what I want you to understand is God is in is in process, in process, like we all are. And he is learning every day like today, like you are. Isn't that great? Like he's still, hear me, he's still powerful, he's still all-knowing, but he knows all that which is knowable, which is only past events. And so God is going through all of this with us. And people just thought, that is so cool. I love that and great PhDs were written on that idea that God is in fact changing and they, they look at Bible verses where they try to get a hint at this, that God doesn't know certain things and they run with it. They thought it would be interesting and novel and sweet and uh, very comforting. Now, I'll be honest with you, and again, this isn't why I believe it. But if you told me that God is in fact changing and is in process and he is going to experience tomorrow like I do, it would be terrifying to me. What do you mean he, he doesn't know what's gonna happen tomorrow? I thought, I thought he said he was coming back. Well, he is coming back. He just kind of doesn't know when and he's waiting to try to, dis- okay, that doesn't make me feel good. Okay, it doesn't, actually in the end what I'm gonna argue is it doesn't line up with scripture. But interestingly enough, the idea that, that God is feeling pain like us, exactly like us, no more, no less than us, is a way of taking God and bringing him down onto our level, which sounds so incarnational, sounds so much like Christmas, except what, what they tried to do is they tried to do it on our terms. They tried to do it according to our understanding. The Bible doesn't say that. The Bible actually teaches that God is, in fact, unchanging, That God knows more than that which is knowable, i.e. the past. That God knows the future. The texts are full of this. And it does this not just for some kind of a generic reason. Well, you need to do this because God is powerful and he knows these things. And so, therefore, you need to sit down and be... No, no, it's like God wants you to have a, a, a certain sense of security in your life based upon him. And so, 2018 is truly, it's out there. It's up there. But God is going to be the same in 2018 as he's always been before. His mercies might come new every day, but God is in fact unchanging. Deuteronomy chapter 7 verse 9 says it this way, and listen to where it kind of draws in on the character of God so that Israel can find some hope. Deuteronomy 7 says this, know therefore that the Lord, Yahweh, that's his name, his proper name, Yahweh, your God is God. I happened to watch yesterday on television for a few moments, I think it was called Clash of the Titans, which is about Zeus and Hercules or somebody else, and um, there's Zeus, right, and he makes this comment to his son, who is both this half-God, half-man, but not like Jesus, and he says, listen, you're not only God, but you're also man, which makes you so much greater than a God. Um, Actually, no. No. By by definition, I mean, literally, just the the foolishness. Now hear me. It was just Greek mythology, so it's foolish all the way around. The Bible doesn't talk like that. The Bible doesn't offer like a a, a modern or an old ancient version of Greek mythology or modern psychology or sociology or whatever. It doesn't do that. It offers a, a, a description of the way things are where God is truly God all-knowing, unchanging, completely uh, available and there and present and powerful. That's the way the Bible describes him. And he is God in his fullness. So when, when Jesus becomes God, he doesn't become even better than God because he's also human. That's not the way it's described. The Bible actually says that Jesus was fully God, though. Fully God. This faithful God, by the way, it says, keeps his covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and his, keep his commandments to a thousand generations. Now, by the way, that doesn't mean, and so for that thousand and first generation, look out. Now, that's a, a biblical way of saying forever. But God keeps his covenant, which means in 2018, you, you know how God is going to act and to respond. You can count on it because he has spoken his word and everyone else around you might surprise you. I didn't think you were gonna act like that. I didn't think you were gonna respond like that. But we know how God is going to respond, which gives us great peace in 2018, which gives us great encouragement in 2018, great strength in 2018. 2 Timothy chapter two, verse two says this, or sorry, 1, 2 Timothy chapter two, verse 13 says this. If we are faithless and if we're honest, we are. We're faithless. Not all the time. I'm not saying we, 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 there's no faithfulness in us, but um, how many of you sinned in 2017? Yeah, probably something like that's gonna happen again. By the way, I'm not saying count on it. I'm just going, let's just speak actually. Let's speak about like reality. So faithlessness is not what, all that we are, but it is a part of what we are, amen? It is, it's a part of what we are. So then what do we do? Look at what the Bible says. Paul says to Timothy, when we are faithless, He remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Man, I need to hear that. See, when I am faithful, because this is what happens. I'll, I'll hear about a former student or a former friend, and I'll find out that they were faithless. Man, it's just devastating. Oh, who can I? Who can I? I thought I knew him. I really did. I thought I knew him, and I thought I can trust him. And so this happens to all of us. If they let me down, and they let me down, and they let me, who can I trust? Who can I trust? I can't trust anybody. I mean, imagine someone that you've looked up to, the one who discipled you, the one who mentored you, the one who, I don't know, gave birth to you, the one who was your father in every sense of the term, and then they fail you. Ah, who can I trust? Um, I know. <laughs> God. Because everyone else has failed me, and I have failed other people. But he is unchanging And so when I cannot predict what's gonna be on the other side of that phone call or the other side of that email or the other side of that um, conversation, the reason why they wanna meet with you for coffee at two o'clock next week. I mean, I have no idea what's going to happen in that instance, the news that you're going to hear about the faithlessness of someone. The Bible says that God is faithful. He will not abandon you. He will not give you temptations that you cannot control. When when you go to him in repentance, we'll talk about this in a moment, he will forgive you. Like these are things that you can count on. He is in fact faithful, the Bible says, for he cannot deny himself. That's the reason why. God in his character and in his unchanging nature is someone that you and I can turn to while everything else is shifting. Morgan kind of made that comment, just describing just the the, the fullness of God. And you just have to believe, really? Like, is anyone, anyone out there, is there anything, is there anyone that I can trust? And in 2017, God proved himself faithful. And in 2018, he's going to prove himself unchanging and perfectly faithful. Number two, God is in fact in control. We're going to trust that in 2018 that God is the one who is in control. Morgan, while she was praying through that, I don't know what you were thinking when Morgan was praying about the control of God in things, but she would would give an example and I I literally had to stop and go, really? Are you ready for this one? Morgan said this. (laughs) God, we know that you're in control of our government. Really? And that's what we got? Really? You're in control of the football playoff system and that's what we got? You're in control of, like, my life, and that's what I got. Any of you go there? Like, I go there. Like, I I just, I don't get how God being in control ended up with this result. Well, can I just remind you of a few things? We just came out of a series not that long ago that described some pretty wicked kings. And right beside those wicked kings, the promise that God is in control. The Assyrians are coming. I thought God was in control. He is. He is. And the Assyrians are coming. The Babylonians are coming. I thought God was in control. He is in control. But the Babylonians are coming. God is in control. Herod is breathing murderous threats. He's threatening to kill and then does kill little children. You're telling me God is in control? And the Bible says what? Yes, he is. He's in control. Which honestly, the part that I find when I wrestle with the Assyrians and the Babylonians or government or whatever... The problem is, is that I can't figure it out and I can't understand it, which is just one more way of me saying, I want to be in control. I'm not happy with the way things are. I'm not happy with the circumstances I find myself in. I'm not happy with the, it's really my own control I can't let go of. It's frustrating to me. But the Bible actually teaches that all of these things are under God's divine control which then should bring us a tremendous sense of strength and peace. Proverbs nineteen twenty one says this about um, the, the futility of you and I actually thinking that we can figure anything out. There are many of you out there that are control freaks. Um, you call yourself organized, but it's more than that, <laughs> right? And, and we, we all can to some degree. We can, we can lure ourselves into the false assumption or the false belief that we got this and that we're going to figure this out. It's a little bit of like the the dark side of New Year's resolutions. What I'm gonna do in 2018. Well, actually, the Bible says this many are the plans of the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. See, I got many plans, I got many things that I wanna do, but ultimately, it is the purpose of the Lord that stands. Now, why is that good for us to remember? Because here's what happens. When I come up with a a system of plans and then I work really, really hard to make them work and they don't work, what do I do? Do I go, oh, I tried really hard, but they didn't work. I will still act reasonably and responsibly and peaceably towards my brothers and sisters in the Lord. No, when you don't get what you want, what do you do? You become hostile. You become exploitive. You become angry. You become vindictive. You become depressed you become angry why because you know what i did and you know how hard i worked and then i got this and then for those people who apparently are stopping you from what you tried so hard to get they're now the enemy like this is this is how we live this is these are our lives but the bible comes in and says can i give you another way of understanding all these things what if you're not the one? Now, Again, I'm not against planning, and I'm not against doing our human part, but can you recognize that this is Jim's idea? This is Jim's plan, and that's not the same as God's plan. This is Jim's purpose. It's not, the, it's not equivalent to God's purpose. There was an elder here who for years, whenever we would come up with any plans, just loved reminding us. Listen, like, these are our plans and these are our ideas. Let us submit them to God and let us trust God with the working of them. Is that not the way it should be? And then all of a sudden, I, I don't really have, like, enemies, not, not, not with flesh and blood anyway, but I have a biblical way of looking at things. And, and by the way, like, what if, what if one of the reasons, just kind of th- work with me on this, what if one of the reasons why everything is not working out the way that you thought it should be working out is actually God working is that ever a possibility for you? That the reason why it's not happening is because God has another purpose. We, we, love, to, we love to say that. God, I went through a stage in my life. Um, actually, I probably still do in many ways. Um, God, I, I really want this. I, really, I, remember, I remember when I was kind of early on in my, in my days. I, want, I really want this job. Um, and so, God, I want it, I want it, I want it in your will uh, or your, whatever you want in the end, right, um, I give it to you, however we say it at the end of our prayers, right? I give it to you, whatever it is, your will be done, not mine. I guess that's what I'm thinking. You're you're, not my will, but your will, which is just kind of what I'm saying to let him know that I'm really, really humble, (laughs) even though he knows the truth about me. And then I don't get the job, and I don't, I, I don't, I don't go, you know, it wasn't in the Lord's will. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Those stupid people don't know who they're missing. You know, I think they got it out for me. I got all these other reasons why. I mean, did we leave it to the Lord or did we not leave it to the Lord? We pretend to leave things with the Lord. Um, James chapter four says this, and the context is um, those people who have all these plans. Today I'm gonna go to this city and make money, and then I'm gonna do this in this city and make money, and... And James actually says this, for those people who talk like that, here's what I'm going to do tomorrow. This is what I'm going to do in 2018 and I am a man who's controlling my own destiny, right? James says this, instead what you ought to say is, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance and all such boasting is evil. Now again, this isn't like, told you I didn't have to be responsible, sweetheart. It's not that. Told you I didn't need to plan and all. plan. No, it's not that. It's just, do you have the ability in 2018 to be able to say, God, this is what I want and this is what I'm going to do, and I ask your blessing upon it, and I really do leave it in your hands. Like, I really do leave it in your hands. That's the difference. Anything that's not that is, in fact, evil. God is in control of 2018. Do you know that? And do you trust that? Are you okay with that? Revelation chapter 1 verse 17 is one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, Um, although I say that almost about every chapter in the Bible, but Revelation 1 says this, um, John is the one who's speaking, the disciple whom Jesus loved. When I saw him, speaking about Jesus, his Savior, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as um, as though dead, but he laid his right hand on me saying, fear not, for I am the first and I am the last, Alpha and Omega. I'm the first, I'm the last. Like, you don't need to be afraid, John. Because like, I'm here, and I've always been here, and I'll always be here. So fear not. I really want to encourage you in those times where something happens, medical report, relational report, financial report, something happens, and you are either too excited or too freaked out. The biblical response is what? The biblical response says, God is in control. And I don't say that so that... Um, uh, to to kind of give God an out when circumstances don't work away, I'm just telling you the Bible teaches from beginning to end, God is in control. Number three, God celebrates repentance. God celebrates repentance. I know, um, I wonder how God feels about this. I wonder what God thinks about this. I wonder what God thinks about the way our country is. I wonder what, and, and everybody's got like an answer or a reason to, to believe that God thinks that, and, and often um, I, I get it wrong. Maybe you do too, you get it wrong. Um, but there's one thing that we can really, really bank on, which is what does God do with people who are broken, who have sinned, who recognize that sin, or who are just wrong in their thinking, recognize how wrong their thinking is and give that thinking over to God, give that behavior over to God. How is God going to respond? There's one thing that we know, he celebrates it. If you wanted to say to me, hey, what do you know that just pleases the Lord? I'm really working that my first like mind thought is me being humble before him and admitting that I'm not him and that I'm really, really messed up and I need him. That's like, needs to be my first thought. That just pleases him. And by the way, I think it pleases him because it's reality. (laughs) Like I'm not him. Aren't you glad I'm not him? Yeah, I, I promise you, I'm more glad that I'm not him. Like, I know my brokenness. And when I, by the way, that's what repentance isn't just, I sinned and I did this terrible thing. That's one element, but it's, no, I actually really thought that 2018 was gonna be awesome and I was wrong. It was way harder than I thought it was. It was way more difficult than I was expecting it to be. Like, it was really, 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 really hard. And I was way wrong on that. That's a a form or an idea of repentance, of of sadness, of brokenness. And, And by the way, when we do that, we repent. We change our mind about this idea that how things are going to be. And God celebrates that. The Bible says that when we are proud, God confronts that. But when we are humble, God then lifts that up. Psalm chapter 86, verse five says this. For you, O Lord, are good and forgiving abounding in steadfast love to all who call on you. But do you know that? When we call upon God, when we, when we reach out to him, he celebrates that. You will always know God's posture towards you when you go to him with humility and in brokenness and in repentance. I, I, you just, I, I know how he's gonna, I mean, you, you're, you're sometimes afraid to go to someone and to tell them you've messed up because you're afraid on how they're gonna respond. Anybody been there? Like, that's why we lie so much. Why do I lie? Well, because if I thought if I told you the truth, you wouldn't love me. That's why I lied. Like, I always lie, because if you knew the truth, God knows the truth. And when I go to him in truth, humbled, repenting, what does he do? Like, brothers and sisters, I promise you, he, he celebrates this. You finally decided to come to me. You finally decided to tell me. You finally decided to be honest with me. I've known all along. And God celebrates this, whether you're a lost coin or a lost sheep or a lost daughter or a lost son, God celebrates you coming home. Um, Morgan quoted this in her prayer, 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. If we confess our sins, and that's a big if, we hold on to them, we uh, pretend they're not there, but the Bible actually says if we, if, we, if we confess our sins, he, that's God, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I, I don't know you ever noticed this, but look at what it actually, look at what it actually says. If, if you were to ask me, if I were to write this verse in, in scripture, I would write it and I would say things like this. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and forgiving. Well, it says that. He is faithful and gracious. He is faithful and he looks the other way. What does it say? He is faithful in what? You know what that word is? That's the word for righteous. Um, the, the, the word, listen to this. This is what it literally says. He is faithful and he gives us exactly what we deserve. That's what the word just means there. Okay, put this in your brain this morning. If we confess our sins, I just got goosebumps. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and he gives us exactly what we deserve, which is what? Forgiveness. Like that's what Jesus did on the cross. Why would you not go to him? God doesn't look the other way. He never has. He never will. He is just And he forgives you, why? Because Jesus made the payment. And that's why God celebrates it. It's why he sent him in the first place. Why are you hiding in your sin? Why are you refusing to admit it? Oh, Listen, I I can't promise what everybody else is gonna do. I really, really can't. Um, Someone came to me earlier and had to confess a a pretty dark sin. It's gonna get out anyway. And they were afraid of how we as a church would respond. I get this all the time. I, I said to this person recently, "I said, here's the joy of it: if we get this wrong as a church, God is so going to come and get us. You know that? Like I'd, I'd love to pretend that Sunnybrook could never get this wrong. No, we could. Guess who will never get it wrong? God will never get it wrong. He celebrates it. So you may not be able to celebrate brokenness. You may not be able to celebrate repentance, but God does." Therefore, I, I hope and pray that we learn to get it. We learn to celebrate it. We learn to be as excited as he is. Number four, God is making us like him. This is God's plan and God's purpose. God is making us like him. If you ask me what I know that God is doing in 2018 is that he saved us for a reason and that is to make us like him. He gave us a Holy Spirit for what reason that he would make us like him. So when the Bible says things like be imitators of God therefore as dearly loved children, he's not giving us some, um, some blind objective that we could never reach. No, and and by the way, the context is to forgive like him in Ephesians. Be imitators of God, therefore. Be like God. And, And that's what God is doing by the indwelling of the Spirit, by the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. God is making us like him, which is the reason why I don't have to sit here and say, here's what you need to do, and these are the things you need to work on, and make sure you're reading your Bible, and make sure you're doing... No, no, listen... There is a part of that that all of us need to be focused on and committed to, but in the end, what we are describing here is is not some kind of work or some kind of strength that we are mustering up ourselves, but it is in complete submission and connection to who he is and what he's already done. And if there's one thing I know that God is doing in 2018, is exactly what Morgan asked for. Morgan said, I just wanna be more like Jesus at the end of the year. I know that's what God is going to do. Now, I don't know if he's going to do that in you, but I do know he's going to do that in some of us. I know it. I just do. Paul says it this way in 1 Thessalonians 5, one of my favorite verses. Paul says this. Now, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you. That's the idea of making you holy in everything, the way you think, the way you act. May he make you holy completely and may your whole spirit and soul and body, literally all of you, be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And now you get out there and do it. No. What does he say he who calls you is faithful and he will surely do it see anything I do well in 2018 is because God is doing well in me there's just nothing I can do there's no strength I can muster there's no purpose I can work towards no mission I could accomplish that he has already not called me to and and, and given me um, the insight or the wisdom or the ability to do do you know that that's true in my family. It's true when I'm preaching. It's true when I'm trying to have coffee at Aspen. Like it's true all the time. No matter where I am and what I do, God is working on this in me. And so much of my responsibility, this is, this is, there's, there's a part that I have to do, is to get out of the way and to allow his truth and his grace and his spirit to work in me. Number five, God will strengthen us. I, I know that for some of us looking at 2017, I had a number of people say, like a more than usual number, of people talk about just how difficult 2017 was. I don't know if I'm, it's just, um, you know, my perception, and it's not real, I have no idea, but I have just had a lot of people say that. And so maybe you're going into 2017 or 2018 absolutely afraid that you cannot maintain this pace. Let me tell you, yeah, you can. And, and I'm not saying that because I believe in you. No, I'm, I'm kind of like Jesus. I really don't believe in you by the way, that's what the Bible teaches. The Bible actually says in John chapter one that Jesus did not put his faith in others because he knew their hearts. <laughs> it's a great verse. Literally the word is believe. He did not believe in them. It doesn't mean I don't want well for you. It just, I, I know who we are. I don't really believe that I can always get it right. But do you know who I do believe in? Who is, what's his name? Jesus, God. I believe in him. And I believe he will give us the strength. I believe that if God has allowed you to be in a marriage, he will give you the strength to see it through whatever is working out there. That if you have children, God will work that out. If you've got a job, God will work that out. And, but hear me, I did not say, and it will just be awesome and you won't have any problems or difficulties. I didn't say that. But he'll give you the strength as it comes. I mean, we all know this, right? Some of us are going to hear some news from the doctor this year that is going to just take our breath away. And I believe God will give us the strength to see it through. I just believe that. And when when you don't believe that, when you're struggling to believe that, when you're struggling to hold on to that, then gather around yourself other believers who believe it and allow them to minister to you. God sent them there for a reason. Isaiah 41, fear not for I am with you. This is God speaking, not Jim. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. I'm going to use Philippians 4.13 in the right way today, okay? It's not about a football score. You don't need it here. It shouldn't help Team America win the World Juniors. No, Canada won again, Um, but it's hockey, so none of you care but me and my sons. But anyway, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Paul says that in the context of a very difficult ministry and what I believe about Sunnybrook Christian Church is that there is not a task that God will give us that he will not give us the strength to see through. I'm excited about that. Philippians, or Ephesians chapter six, verse 10 says, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. It's that kind of strength that we can lean into and that we can trust. Number six, God will be found by everyone who seeks him. I believe that in 2018 because it was true in 17 and every year before. Those who seek God find him. Now, I say that because as I look around this room, I, I don't think, I don't, um, and I said this in first service too, <laughs> I don't think all of us have found him. I think some of us have found like religion. I think some of us have found some really cool things that are kind of working for you, but that's not the same thing as Jesus. Again, I'm, I'm not, I don't want to, I don't, I have no desire to cast doubt where there should be faith. But but I do feel a pretty strong conviction to cast reality upon things that look like faith that aren't. And so for those of you that are feeling peace that shouldn't feel peace, the Bible warns against me doing that. It says, do not offer peace to those who shouldn't feel it. And to those of you, there are some of you actually that are struggling with God's peace, and you need to have it. <laughs> I want you to find it. And so I don't, I don't just assume that you found God or that you found Jesus. One of the things that's always sad is every Sunday I say, hey, I'd love for you to come forward. Others would love to pray with you and talk with you. And I believe every week there are a number of us, and you don't have to talk to me or someone else right up front, but you do need to be dealing with this. And there are so many of us in here that are not dealing with it. We're not dealing with our broken spiritual condition. We're not dealing with the fact that we're sold out to religion and not Jesus. We're not dealing with it, and we need to deal with it. And I say all of that because I genuinely believe that God comes, that God is available, that God welcomes with open arms those who seek him. Acts chapter 17, Paul says, God made from one man every nation of mankind who live on the earth, having determined allotted periods and boundaries of their dwelling places, literally God is in control of history, why? That they should seek him and then feel their way towards him and find him. That's how God is using history. Matthew chapter seven, Jesus promises this about the nature of God. Ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open for you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and the one who knocks will be open to him. Oh, isn't that incredible? And for those of you that are still kind of mailing it in, that you're not really owning a walk with God through Jesus Christ, I pray that you reach out and find him this year and experience a true peace. Speaking of peace, number seven, God will give his peace to us. I hope you are one of the us in this. I hope that you find God's peace in 2018. Now, by the way, again, I'm, I'm not saying, and really what I hope that you actually find is a better 2018. Uh, God bless you. Um, a couple of years ago, a good friend of mine who kind of believes in a better tomorrow, not just Jesus. I think she believes in Jesus too, but she really seems to believe in a better tomorrow. She texted me, I've told this story before. She texted me at the end of 20-something and said, hey, I believe next year is gonna be a great year for you. It's gonna be an awesome year. And I texted her back, did you say that to everybody? Yeah. Do you think anybody you texted to could have a really bad year? You think anybody you text that to could actually die that year or lose someone that they love or a marriage that they loved? Anything? Well, yeah, but that's so negative. No, but I'm just, what are you saying by that? Are you saying, I hope a better year for you or are you promising me a better year? I guess you're ruining this, (laughs) Jim. Well, I just, truthfully, I just, I want us to be careful. Because by the way, when all of that comes back, who who, who does everybody blame? They blame God, don't they? God totally let me down. God totally abandoned me. Like, didn't. Couldn't. Wouldn't. I pray that you find God's peace in 2018. I pray that you experience it. I think I'm allowed to say this, but I'm going to say it anyway, even if I'm not allowed to say this. (gasps) Andrew and I are going to be grandparents. 2018. Boom. Yeah. So excited. Mackenzie and Olivia are expecting sometime in August, we don't know the continent that they'll be living in at the time, but truth is, um, I'm excited about being a grandpa. I don't have hope and peace that everything is going to work out totally fine. I'm not trying to be negative about this, by the way, I don't believe in like casting bad luck on me either. I, I just genuinely believe that whatever happens, God will bring us peace. Whatever happens in 2018, I just I know that God will bring us peace. And I'm grateful for that. I fully expect to be excited about what's most likely going to be. And I, that's what I'm praying for. It's what I'm yearning for. But if that doesn't happen the way I want it to happen, and you can kind of fill in the blanks. That's just kind of one of the major centerpieces right now. You going to be okay with that? Because God's in control and because God's unchanging and because God is still there and because God will give you strength and God will give you Peace. Is what I love is Mac and Olivia know that. I'm just was so excited for them to say, yeah, we don't know exactly how this is gonna work out. We just, we trust God in all of this. And may he give us peace. Let me give you this blessing as you leave today. Philippians 4. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God and the, God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. May it guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus in 2018, in 2019, in 2020, until he comes back. Love you guys. Um, If you want to continue this conversation, walk this way. Um, If not, walk that way. Wednesday night, we start programming here. We'd love to see you here. God bless, and we will see you on Wednesday.